welcome to You Can't Spell Autonomous Shopping Without AI. I am your host for today's webinar, Chris Walton, and I am one of the founders and now the editor-in-chief of Omnitalk. And for those of you that follow our work closely, you will likely know that the subject of today's webinar, Autonomous Shopping, is very near and dear to our hearts. We've assembled an amazing panel here today, and I would like to introduce all of them to you now. So up first, we have Azita Martin. Azita is the Vice President and GM for AI and Retail and CPG for NVIDIA. Azita leads NVIDIA's, NVIDIA's artificial intelligence initiatives for the retail and CPG industries. In this role, she is responsible for NVIDIA's global go-to-market strategy, building the ecosystem of software, system integrators, and hardware partners, and the execution of growth strategies for NVIDIA's retail vertical. In addition, in addition, Azita's team is responsible for building NVIDIA's retail software platform that enables developers at both NVIDIA customers and ecosystem partners to build disruptive AI applications faster. Azita, thanks for being here and it's great to have you. Thank you, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is gonna be a blast. Up next, we've got Trey McMillian. Trey is the GM for retail at Dell Technologies where he provides leadership for the global retail industry. His team brings best-in-class industry expertise to help retailers accelerate their digital transformations to capitalize on emerging technology trends, such as the Internet of Things, multi-cloud, artificial intelligence, and virtual and augmented reality. In partnership with industry-leading technology experts, his team is responsible for the development and delivery of end-to-end -end solutions that improve customer experiences and drive operational efficiencies. Trey, we're thrilled to have you here as well, so thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. Excited to be here as well. And of course, last and certainly not least, we have Kevin Howard, the CEO of AWM SmartShelf. For background, Kevin launched AWM with artificial intelligence, computer vision, and machine learning at its core, all of which we're going to talk more about today. As the CEO, he is responsible for AWM's long-term vision and global strategy. And prior to AWM, Kevin was the CEO of ICG, a full-service digital media firm. Under his leadership, ICG grew to a digital format leader serving known Fortune 500 brands globally, college and professional sports venues, and even government agencies. Kevin was also an executive at Wells Fargo, UBS Financial, and Smith Barney, specializing in technology, asset management, capital raises, and corporate guidance. In addition, Kevin serves on Forbes Technology Council and various AI committees using, util, utilizing his expertise in the space. Kevin, you ready to rock and roll here this morning too? Very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, fantastic. All right, one more thing, just housekeeping wise, before we get started, I imagine Zoom is pretty old hat for many of you listening and watching today, and you're probably accustomed to this. But at the end, in the last 15 minutes, we're going to have a Q&A. So if you have questions as we're going along, we want to make this dialogue as interactive as possible. So go ahead, leave your question in the Q&A box down at the bottom portion of your screen. Where possible, I'll try to get those questions into the conversation. If not, we'll hit them at the end as best we can. So with that said, please leave nothing on the table. We're here to have as a candid of a conversation as we possibly can. And to get us started, I'm going to go first to Azita. Azita, this is a pretty heady topic, autonomous shopping and AI. And there's probably a lot of things we can cover. If we're not careful, we could probably boil the ocean. But I know you've got some thoughts specifically in terms of where you think AI is most important in terms of how you look at the retail landscape right now. So why don't we start there with you? And I know you've got some slides to share too. 
Terrific. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the key things uh, that I want to share is that uh, various studies have done uh, have been done in this area of how AI is impacting various industries and specifically around retail. Uh, there was a study that was done by McKinsey that says that uh, today, the majority of retailers have razor thin margins, about 2% is the net profit margin of retailers. And with AI and automation, retailers can actually triple that net profit uh, from 2% to 6%. And if you look at the total $26 trillion uh, global retail sales, the, the net profitability of retailers can, can improve and increase uh, by $1 trillion. So this is real. This is happening. A lot of retailers are adopting this. And those that don't are probably not going to be around five years from now. And so the three areas that we see making the most impact um, in retail first and foremost is intelligent supply chain. And as you know, COVID has changed everything, right? And uh, people are ordering more frequently, more online orders, fulfillment has to happen faster. And so in particular, we're seeing two or three areas. One is forecasting, is ability to actually forecast more frequently and much more accurately using AI. That's a very, very important area. Second of all is, intralogistics, which is basically everything inside the distribution center. How do you make the fulfillment of orders, the throughput of that distribution center more efficient and faster? And what we're seeing is a 30% acceleration in order fulfillment by using AI and robotics within uh, the distribution centers. Just within existing operations. Well, I mean, by adding AI and by yeah. adding robotics. So, so it's not okay, just existing it. operations, but actually it happens to be that there's, you know, two major players that own the equipment and those are the ones that are working with us. On that. And of course, the third area in supply chain is last mile delivery, right? Which is the most expensive part of getting products to the end customer and being able to really much more efficiently uh, use AI to, to get the products to the, cost, to the right um, truck and the routing optimization that gets it to the customer faster. So that's kind of bucket number one. Okay. Bucket number two is anything around omni-channel management, especially around e-commerce and online ordering. And uh, they're especially much more accurate and personalized recommendations really matters, right? And the third area, which is what we're gonna go deeper into today, is what we call at NVIDIA intelligence stores. And that's basically bringing AI intelligence inside the store so that the store operations people uh, really understand the consumer behavior and provide a much better shopping and checkout experience for customers. So of course, um, Stockout is really important. Um, curbside pickup has become very important. Asset protection, the more um, retailers are adding self-checkout lanes, uh, asset protection is a problem in the industry. We know that on average, one and a half percent of sales is lost um, right. to theft and uh, other areas of uh, loss prevention. Uh, and then finally, um, 
close and dear to our heart and specifically to this um, uh, webinar is frictionless shopping, right? It's the ability to, for a consumer to just walk into the store, grab the things they want and be able to walk out and accurately uh, getting billed for only the products that they've picked to take out with them. And of course, uh, this webinar is all about that. So uh, I'll um, let you uh, continue on that. Click into that one. Yeah, that'd be great. Trey, as we click into time shopping, anything you'd add in, in, in those buckets that Azita just discussed there? Yeah, from an autonomous shopping perspective, we're seeing many of the top leading organizations, as Azita said, really lean in. And it's become a top priority for most of them. So okay. we expect over the next six to 12 months, many of those organizations to begin doing pilots and then ultimately rolling out to our fleet. So we're really excited about this new transformation that's occurring. And we believe we're well positioned to help our retailers along this journey. That's great. Yeah, so Azita, let's talk more about that then. When you, when you specifically look at autonomous shopping, what are we really talking about? Like what, what's the full range here of parameters uh, you know, that fall under that definition in your mind? Absolutely. So if we go to the next slide, um, there's really um, four areas of uh, autonomous shopping, right? One is kind of the nano kiosk stores that are put on campuses, uh, colleges, hopefully they'll open. I've got a college kid myself who's had a tough freshman experience uh, at the airports and all of that. Uh, the second is convenience stores, right? Convenience stores, if you can make that fully automated and not have to have people in there, uh, it's going to really, really um, help the experience for the customer, but make it a lot more cost effective for those retailers. Uh, then there's this AI shopping cart. It's a shopping cart right. that has cameras in it and intelligence. And so you put something in there, it charges your, uh, your account. And if you pull it out, it deducts it. And then finally, the full store automation, right? And so I'm really excited now to, to have Kevin obviously go deeper into these areas where AWM uh, has got you know, a phenomenal platform. And, um, and of course, uh, both Trey and I have been partnering very closely with AWM because we believe that they have a really fantastic solution uh, in these areas. But those are basically the four buckets of autonomous uh, shopping. Yeah, and I want to click into, I want to go into all, as much of that as we can here. So yeah, I think it's a good segue too, Kevin. I think she set you up, she set you up pretty nicely there, given the work you guys have been doing together. But Kevin, before we, before we go into it though, I mean, let's, let's move back out, maybe go 30,000 foot view here. Like, you know, you're hearing a lot of this autonomous shopping, checkout free shopping. At the end of the day, why should we care? Like, why does it matter in your mind? Why is it an important concept for us all to learn and understand more about? At, you know, it's interesting for, for us, you know, we look at the kind of natural evolution of humans. And when you, you look at that natural evolution, we think that this is uh, part of that. Um, you know, if I take a step back and look at what happened from an online fulfillment perspective, you know, you really started with a process that might have been, you know, you order something and 10 years ago, it took two weeks to get to you. And then, then that went to, you know, a week and then that went to four days and then two days and, and then next day. And now you have certain things that you, you, you can actually, uh, you know, receive within a couple of hours. And I think that's, 
just the evolution of you know human nature. We expect things to to uh, we expect to get things in real time, or we're just frankly impatient as humans. Right. Um, and so I think that's where this comes from. Um, people are looking for immediate gratification in every scenario, and this is just uh, to put it simply that evolution that I think is uh, expected. So, so what you're saying, the consumers want it. There's the convenience angle. We want to do everything quicker and faster, as quickly and as fast as we possibly can. Why do the retailers want it too, though? Is it is it back to what Azita was saying before in terms that there's just value here waiting to be picked up in some way, shape, or form? But you know, and retailers have to go where their customers want to go, right? They 100. Yeah. Although it's, we saw in this industry, it took a long time even for them to get behind e-commerce in a lot of ways, right? If, if you actually stop, if we stop and think about that, what's the value for them? Why should they be getting into this now? Yeah, I, I think it's twofold. Uh, okay. One, as you mentioned, you follow what customers expect. And, and, and I've had uh, retailers that we work with, you know, put it simply that their customers oftentimes don't want to interact with other people. They want to get their product and get out. And so I think that's the first thing. The second piece of this obviously is, um, you know, when you start thinking about the uh, experience in store and what you can do to pull costs out of the business, you start thinking about efficiencies um, internally from an operational perspective. And, and that's just, again, uh, an expectation for retailers to be able to, to implement. And, and as I said, pull costs out of the business and ultimately allow them to be a little more profitable. And we'll get into that too. I want, I want to get into exactly how that's happening. But Trey, what are you, Trey, you mentioned the boardrooms, you mentioned the executive conversations, like what are you hearing retailers say when they start talking about that in terms of meeting the customer expectation, you know, doing it for the finance, you know, trying to look at this, you know, new realm of retailing from a financial perspective. What are you hearing in those conversations? Because you're in a lot of them. Yeah. So they're talking about experiences and how do we create special moments? Special Um, moments. Okay. And that's for two people. One group is like Kevin alluded to is being best in class with your guests, your customers, but it's also how do you become best in class with your own associates? And so they're looking Mm -hmm. at these technologies so they can go through the different operational efficiencies, potentially reduce labor, reduce shrink, reduce spoilage. But then from an experiential perspective, they're seeing an increase in sales, and then they're even seeing new revenue streams open up. So as they look at really being best in class across their guests, and across their team members, they want to leverage this technology to kind of provide them with that competitive advantage. Trey, underlying some of what you said too, is some of that also employee engagement, like that they're helping, you know, that these kinds of ideas start to remove some of the dull, some of the maybe tasks that people don't want to do day in and day out too, so the jobs are just easier. Definitely. Um, Most of the goals for many of our retailers is to have their team members spend as much time on the floor interacting with their customers. And technology like this will allow them to operationalize some of the tasks they did in the past. And now they can move more towards high valued interactions and then help create those special interactions. And if they're able to do that, they're gonna increase the lifetime value of that customer and then really build brand loyalty. So a technology like this is really starting to enable some of those key factors. Okay, got it. And Azita, that's kind of your wheelhouse. I mean, you and I have talked about this on, on other podcasts and even in some writing we've done together. And, and you mentioned some big numbers at the top at the top of the show here. Like to Trey's point, to further on that, like where are some of those, I'd say, quick wins or where you're going to see the biggest impact for the buck with looking at autonomous technologies? Right, right. So Trey said it exactly uh, how every customer explains it to us. And that is 
they want to provide the best experience, right? right? It's like give them personalization that is relevant to them, deliver the product to them as fast as possible, don't charge for shipping and all of that. In order to do that at the same time, you need efficiencies, right? And so um, certainly, um, as I mentioned, like optimizing supply chain is really, really important because forecasting means having the right product at the right place at the right time, whether it's a store or whether it's your centralized fulfillment center for your online orders. So that that's truly, truly important. Uh, and then in the areas of, of the store, obviously stockout is an issue, right? If you know the, the industry has got about 4% stockout, that's basically revenue lost, right? And, and a disappointed customer that's coming to buy something or ordering something online and it's not there. So I think that, uh, Obviously, implementing Stockout, which is uh, using computer vision that is monitoring the shelves, and when it goes below a certain threshold, it is automatically notifying a store associate uh, to basically come back and restock the shelf is really important, and that has up to 4% potential in increasing revenue versus having associates walk up and down the aisles to figure that out, right? They can be helping the customer while getting notification when they need to go pay attention to that shelf. So I would definitely say that's really important. Curbside pickup, as I said, is really important because imagine delivering the wrong product to the wrong car, right? The car Mm -hmm. is coming by. You want to make sure you're absolutely delivering uh, on time quickly but also the right order. Um, And then of course, uh, loss prevention is really important because self-checkout is something more and more consumers want, right? We don't wanna talk to people. We don't wanna stand in the longer lines of associate. And so again, having using computer vision technology that uh, ensures that the right product is being scanned uh, and prevents that uh, that loss, which can in the industry is a hundred billion dollars of revenue lost as a result of loss prevention. So a lot of that can be uh, eliminated again uh, with AI technology. And of course, you know, autonomous shopping is is important from a convenience perspective. But at the same time, autonomous shopping almost brings it all together, right? Because it's so- all about understanding the store what's happening in the shelves, what is a consumer doing? So if you're running low, it can notify you. It's doing stock out, it's doing loss prevention because if it's accurately, if it's accurately showing what you're uh, putting in your cart and leaving, then loss prevention basically is part of that solution. And I think Kevin can talk uh, a lot more detail about it than I can, but uh, yeah. that's what we love about autonomous shopping. I, yeah, I might have a Forbes article brewing from that one. I think you're right. Cause like it's autonomous shopping, but it's also autonomous operations. And even with autonomous shopping, people are still involved in that just as there are with autonomous operations. So that's kind of a new twist to this whole conversation. So yeah, we, I've never, I've never thought about before that before. I love that point, but Kevin, you're, 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 do, you're living this. I mean, you were doing the experimentation. You're on the ground level of this. Which of what Trey and Azita just said do you think are, you know, is which are which are the kind of the big areas of opportunity that you're seeing? Um, and then also, are there any that you would add? And I'm curious after that, how you bring some of those to life. But maybe let's take the first part first. Yeah, I think, you know, I'll give you some tangible uh, numbers to, to run with here. When you start to look at online fulfillment, there's an actual cost to fulfill that product. And that that cost, we've been able to define that we can 
reduce that cost by over 50%. It's an incredible number when you actually think about reducing your cost by over 50%. For those retailers, when you look at it, it's a loss leader. And so if we can drive that cost out of the business, you know, it's a, it's a tangible and relevant uh, item. Right. And so you, you start to think of that and, you, and, and, and some of the other items. So you think of, a, of uh, you know, your, your ability to understand where products are in real time and then where they need to be. So you, you start thinking of your, your merchandising or your, um, you know, restocking shelves, things of that nature. We've been able to define a 40% reduction in labor costs there because they can get to it faster. This is ultimately understanding where products is, where it should be, um, and where it's not. And as Man, the exceptions, saying, right, Kevin? Like that's essentially what we're talking about? Exactly, exactly. So Kevin, I, it's funny, that question came in. It's perfect, perfectly timed. So I'm gonna put you on the spot with this one. Question from the audience, Trey's smiling. So the RO, this is what the, the question he says, the ROI of convenience store frictionless checkout implementation seems way out of reach for anyone other than Amazon at the moment. By the time others can avoid it, Amazon Go will be in every town and village across the country. And his question, do you agree with that? So do no. you agree with that? I didn't think you did. And why not? Well, I, I mean, part of the partnership with the folks from Dell and NVIDIA is really working on infrastructure that we've been able to cost down. And we don't have a customer that we work with that there isn't a better than a 100% ROI um, in, in the solution, the deployment as a whole. Uh, so I would I would tell you um, you know a lot of the misnomers that you hear in the field um, is, is that it is out of reach from a cost perspective and that's just simply not the case. Um, it is cost effective and it is uh, something that's here and now. As Ida said it earlier, um, it's deploying and it's starting to deploy at scale and that's where the world is ultimately going to move. And it's because and, of that ROI. Yeah, and I will add to that. Uh, Nvidia works with all the ISV startups and uh, software providers of this type of technology. And, and frankly, um, all of them uh, are getting a lot of momentum in this area. And the convenience stores happens to be one of the fastest growing areas of adopting this. Uh, so I will assure you that more than Amazon uh, are making great progress. I mean, obviously one of the reasons that we work so closely with AWM is we are engaged uh, deeply with them in many, many accounts. Uh, some of them are large retailers uh, and some of them are, are basically uh, what I would call franchise and convenience stores that have the much smaller. And the, and the neat thing about that is that this technology, the cost has dramatically come down. It is edge AI technology, but you don't have to put some massive servers in the back of a convenience store. NVIDIA has these tiny uh, GPUs, they're called NVIDIA NX, uh, that is actually the, the perfect solution for convenience stores. So uh, we are seeing a lot of those technologies being implemented at uh, convenience stores, and they're not necessarily with Amazon. Yeah, and I, I, would, I would add to that, when we started this, this journey uh, as a company, uh, you know, before we were working with Dell and NVIDIA, um, we were trying to do everything on our own. And uh, the infrastructure as we ultimately started to partner with these two world-class organizations, we were able to drive down the infrastructure by 90%. So, so thinking of, we initially started in a large, let's say a large uh, retailer, you know, a large grocery store, you, you would literally have needed a data center. Um, we've been able to reduce that down to a rack 
uh, rack and a half, what have you. It's a very small footprint um, that allows, again, that cost to come down. So you're, you're at a point where, again, it's scalable, not only in something that is small, like a convenience store, but also large format stores and big box and what have you. Trey, any thoughts um, on this, this thread of conversation? Yeah. I do think based on that question, though, there is an opportunity for us to continue to educate the market. Um, I would say most people do think this technology is out of reach, but what we've seen with advances made with NVIDIA and AWM, the ROI is less than 12 months now, which most CFOs are really excited about. And then even prior to that work, we would say mostly convenience stores and smaller form factor stores, it was a huge ROI there. So what we're seeing is the largest um, convenience stores, the largest retailers are definitely moving forward with this technology. And we're seeing that occur within the next six to 12 months. So pretty excited about um, what the future holds for us. That's great. And actually, that was a question that came in too, Trey. So that was a fantastic answer in terms of what is the typical ROI that you're seeing or, or talking about in those conversations. I mean, the two points that I would add, and Kevin, going back to you, I think with this as well, is like, it's, it's back to that e-commerce conversation. Like today is very different than tomorrow. And if the puck is moving in this direction, you still have to think about what the customer wants as you're looking at this, at this experimentation. And then the second point, the second point too, that's really important is, I, and having studied this a lot, I'm curious your thoughts. I think there's a tendency for us to think one size fits all. So whatever X is doing, we all need to do that too. As Azita's slide showed in the very beginning, there's a lot of different ways to skin this cat. How do you think about the different approaches that are out there and what types of approaches are right for what types of retailing? I mean, it's a broad question. And uh, the reality is um, I see friction-free, frictionless, autonomous, um, you know, let's say shopping becoming ubiquitous across, across the board. And I mean, you, you think about, you know, as you're, you, you've, you've heard about, um, you know, Delta using uh, facial recognition for boarding flights and things of that nature. Um, I think you just get to a point where um, every environment that you ultimately would go to where people um, would visit, whether that's an amusement park or a stadium and arena or even college campuses, they're, they're ultimately going to move to this. The folks that are out there that are trying to implement, let's say there's a you know a little more than a handful of folks that are uh, in this space. Um, and, and obviously you mentioned Amazon and Amazon Go earlier. Um, there are other players from a retailer perspective like Alibaba and Tencent that are looking to do this as well um, and, and have tried to at some level. Um, but the, the technologies, all the, the core around all of the players in the space center around computer vision. And the main reason for that, of course, is it, it is much more cost effective from a single camera to be able to, to track multiple people, multiple items, things of that nature. Um, and so this is where, again, you talk about NVIDIA and the GPUs and um, where we're able to go. The players that are out there without, you know, utilizing computer vision is just not a scalable solution. Right. And so, I mean, the, the bottom line is the, the major players that are out there, they're utilizing computer vision to, to make this a reality. And why is that, Kevin? Explain that more for people. I think it's an important point. Why, why can you not do it? What are the issues that you run into at scale across you know, the various format types, especially as your stores get larger in size. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a whole host of issues that you run into in these locations. And, and I'll give you a, an example. Um, one specific example would be uh, managing produce because produce is 
um, not an easy thing to understand, um, it, it meaning from a computer vision algorithmic perspective. Okay. Um, in, in that scenario, you're utilizing multiple senses or sensors, I should say, or uh, data outputs. Um, and in, in that case, you're, you're tra tracking where product is located. So think of, you know, understanding the difference between a Gala Apple and Red Delicious Apple. Um, if you didn't have uh, GPUs, uh, you would not have the ability to, to track that. And, and that's where this, what it boils down to is the core ability and what, frankly, NVIDIA has built that allow us to uh, understand that level of granularity from a computer vision perspective. Yeah, Zita, how does that work when Kevin's describing that in terms of trying to figure out how to how to make that happen with a client? Let's maybe we stay with the Apple use case. Why not? I think you know that's how everything started back in the day. When you think about it, um, how is how is it that you guys kind of come in there then and help with that for everyone watching? Right. So Nvidia has a series of uh, GPUs that are really about accelerating inference at the edge, and what that means in simple language is. AI algorithms are first trained. And in this case, they're trained to recognize a product, an apple, right? And, and then they're supposed to, you know, when a function is happening to immediately say, this is a Gala apple, or this is a Fuji apple, right? And so that inference, that recommendation that the algorithm is making has to happen in sub-seconds, right? I'm checking out, I'm not gonna wait 30 seconds for you to tell me, you know, this is going to cost X versus Y. So it's all about real-time recommendations at the edge. And for that, there's no technology that can do it other than GPUs. And, and we've developed a series of GPUs, um, depending again from the volume, the size, the number of cameras in the store that can do that real-time recommendations. Uh, and so there was a question, you know, what does Amazon Go technology is based on? I'm not allowed to say what Amazon does. <laughs> what I will say to you is everyone who uses computer vision cameras for real-time inference at the edge is doing it on GPUs as, uh, as Kevin mentioned. But, but also um, that there's a series of software solutions that are free and we provide those to the, the AWMs and all our software partners that dramatically improves that inference uh, at the edge. And it's really part of our core um, technology and platform. We're not a GPU company, we're a platform company. And that combination of our software and GPUs is what drives that real-time compute performance. So Kevin, if I'm listening to this, like, uh, I mean, to me, what I'm starting to think here is, I mean, I mean, it's, you start talking about computer vision, tracking people in space and people, products in space, everything that's happening. I mean, you've got to have just an incredible amount of horsepower to be able to be able to compute all of that. Like where, where are the puts and takes with that right now, as you look at retail today and what are your predictions in terms of maybe where we'll see it in the next, you know, couple of years? Well, I mean, the, the comment that I would make there is it, it isn't uh, as much horsepower as you would actually think. I mean, it's, okay. it's horsepower, but it's, it's not as dramatic as, as, as many people would think. I think the, the comment that I, that I would make again is think, think of a single server powering a convenience store. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. It's not, it's not this grandiose, massive uh, you know, ecosystem that you have to put in play. Um, I, I would tell you that I, I think 
you know, our, our goal is to make every environment that we'd ever deploy to uh, economical, feasible, and ensure that there's ROI above 100%. That, that's the goal. Um, and, and, and so far, we haven't run into a situation where that's not reality. So far, that is reality. And, and the, 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 we look at scale and market adoption. Most of the customers that we talk to, and, and Trey and Azita certainly can, uh, can attest to this as well, the initial conversation as well is probably out of reach because it's going to be too expensive. And right. it's just not. It's, it's feasible, it's realistic, and it's here. And that's where you talk about, again, the impression that people have in the marketplace is that it does require so much horsepower. And it, 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 you know, it requires horsepower, but when you think about the footprint that, that Dell and NVIDIA have enabled for us, um, it, again, it's, it's, it's not uh, you know, unrealistic. It's very um, uh, minimal is a, is a good way to put it. Well, and, and Trey, I want to go to you on, on advice here in a second, but I'll stick with Kevin for one, one more question here. Like um, to that point, Kevin, in terms of you've got some real experiments going on out in marketplace, not just across like traditional retail as we've been describing it too, but in, you know, in looking at how retail operates, even going back to some of what Azita said in the beginning, I think point in that direction. Why don't it be, I think it'd be great to share with the audience like what some of those things are that you're learning from in market as you can talk about things. Yeah, I mean, as you start to look at the customers that we work with, and so we, and I'll say in market, we've had deployments uh, in field for about two years. Two um, years, okay, good perspective. About two years. Um, we have customers that have been very, very granular in their approach and what they've tried to, to learn. Um, and you, you start thinking about what that means, learning. We have customers that they're able to understand path, journey, things of that nature when you implement this total solution. So total solution really for us is around smart store and understanding that. And I'll give you some, um, I won't mention the customer, but sure. you start to think about what their learnings are. We have a customer that over the last, they've been in, in market for about 15 months and uh, about half a dozen stores they're in today. Um, and, and they were able to learn that they could reduce their overtime labor that just that alone paid for the solution. So, I mean, just that alone, it's, it's really, when you start to understand that, it's, you eliminate some of that cost. We're talking about, you know, it's ultimately, that is what's happening in the field. And then you have customers that understand, a good example is you might have products that are just in the wrong location. And you wouldn't know that, you know, in a traditional environment. In this environment, you know it, and it all happens. You get this data back in real time. The understanding in the stores, okay, well, I have these products they are just in the wrong location. I need to move them to, you know, to this aisle as an example, and then they'll actually, customers will adopt and uh, XYZ. Those are the types of things that they're seeing in real time. And it's just an incredible amount of data that didn't live before, just didn't. I mean, that's the reality. So um, now you have insightful information that is actionable that you can take action on in real time. And that's why I asked that question, because I love how you said that, too, because it's not it's not an all or nothing equation. Like you start to do this experimentation and knowing some of the implementations you have. Yeah, sure. You can talk the, the whole kit and caboodle about autonomous shopping, but you can also have, OK, what are you learning in how your backroom operations are working or you're out of stock, checking your outs throughout the course of the day um, or how the shopper is shopping, like we said. But like there's so much you're learning through this entire path that that's how the ROI starts to generate. I mean, Trey, do you, what advice? What advice do you have along that topic in terms of you're you're seeing how how the retailers are kind of reading reading and reacting to what they're learning as they go go along and, and, and trying to find the right path for experimentation? 
Honestly, they're all at different departure points. And okay. from a, we're talking about full frictionless um, stores right now, but many of them start with the simple self-checkout. They have their learnings. They then move to scan and go, where okay. I would say a majority of them are at at this time. They then make that jump to the smart shopping carts. And then finally to the solution that Kevin is um, mentioning today. Along the line, they've had so many lessons learned. They know where some of the pitfalls are. And then the value that AWM, Dell, and NVIDIA brings is that because we're having these conversations and we know where some of the pitfalls are, we share that as best practices. And then that allows them to take that and then move forward as they pilot this technology. So really what we're seeing is there's a few key areas that we thought were gonna be preventative for this solution. And that's where the optimization occurred that Kevin mm -hmm. and Azita mentioned. And now really we're just working with them to formalize their business cases and then understand which part of the autonomous store are they gonna roll with first to get the value. And so we've seen different ways when, whether it's they wanna start with friction-free, they may wanna start with electronic shelf labels, but what I like about with what Kevin is doing is he provides them with the whole platform mm -hmm. and then say, let's be your partner along that journey to give you the value that you need. And so that flexibility is kind of what they're looking for as they look to gain knowledge and experience in this space. That's really interesting. So they've, you've been seeing kind of a sequential approach, but what it sounds like you might be seeing is actually more of a kind of a platform approach where you say, how do you create the foundation to be able to go in a lot of different directions? It doesn't have to yeah. be linear. Am I interpreting what you said right there? Yes. And that's what I believe is transforming is because with AWM, NVIDIA and Dell providing that platform where they don't have to just focus on one use case, they can say we can choose a la carte or they can go with the full solution and get maximum value. And then we're providing that flexibility to meet them wherever they're at in their journey. That's an important point. Azita, what, what are your big two? We'll go to, I want to, I always like to close up with predictions and we'll go to, go to that in a second and then to Q and A, but Azita, what, what, what are your kind of takeaways, your advice you'd have for retailers, you know, given some of what Trey just said there too. So uh, I want to add exactly to what Trey and Kevin said. Often what happens is they start, retailers start with one use case. So if you look at asset mm. protection, for example, alone, you know, we had a typical retailer that's losing about 150, you know, million dollars a year, right? And that's a year. And just the cost of the hardware is recuperated in two and a half months. But at the same time, you can put multiple applications on that hardware uh, that, you know, you just, you know, pick the number of GPUs you want and you can assign one application to two GPUs, another to one and so forth, right? And so what we are seeing is, yes, they start with one, but as Kevin said, the ROI and the saving is so significant that then they say, well, let's you know, now do it for stock app. Let's now do it for you know, autonomous shopping and, and so forth. So really what, what I would say is, you know, if you're embarking on this journey, then really look at not just one use case, multiple use cases, and think about, you know, how you're going to, you know, start with one, see the benefits, but expand into, uh, 
you know, other areas that really drive that efficiency. And that's why, again, having a platform like AWS, AWM's platform that does multiple of these things uh, just makes it so much easier because you can start with autonomous shopping, but it's also important to do inventory management and, and prevent uh, loss and, and so forth. So that's really an important thing to keep in mind. Keep hearing that over and over again too, as you start thinking about smart technology. Find find the area that's got that big impact right from the get go, and then the flywheel will just get started. But Zita, you made me think of something else. I wasn't thinking of asking this, but like, is this even? This sounds so complicated to me in some ways. Like, is this even something that a retailer can attempt on its own, or do they they have to partner with people like you guys? I I I just think you have to know the successes that you're seeing in market across a lot of different use cases to be able to do this well. And that would be a hard hard slog on your own. What are you, what's your take on that, Azita? So with the exception of a couple of our customers that have over a thousand data scientists on staff, <laughs> most of our customers are partnering with us and the software partner like the AWMs and, and obviously Dell because Dell is really the one providing the infrastructure. But I would say it's a buy, it's a POC in one store expanding to five stores and, but that whole thing is a three month project. And then when they see the value in three to five stores, then they start deploying, you know, hundred stores at a time, right? And so uh, it's definitely uh, something that uh, it makes more sense to buy where you have a company like AWM or any of our software partners got 50 engineers of full-time working on that right. um, versus trying to build it. We've had one or two customers that have, uh, that are doing the hybrid model, which is building some of the AI technology themselves and buying some of it. And you really got to look at it as the cost of opportunity, right? Or opportunity uh, cost. So if it's going to take you, you know, how long, Kevin, have you said you guys have been in business? Um, if it's going to take you three years and you're losing $150 million a year, I think it makes more sense to buy Mm -hmm. And some other solutions that might be easier and you have the right data science expertise uh, might make sense to, to build. But I would say 90% of our customers are buying the solutions from the software partners. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Especially if it's going to be a point of competitive differentiation in here in the long run. All right. Well, we're getting close. We're running out of time. Let's do real quick. I always love to do this because it gets a good Q&A going usually too. And Kevin, maybe we'll start with you. Back to you. What's your prediction for the future here? How you look five to 10 years out, how is shopping going to be different than it is today along this topic? I said it earlier, <clears throat> I expect for autonomous shopping to be ubiquitous and I expect everywhere to, to come. Yeah, everywhere, every environment. Um, and I expect it to be much uh, sooner than five to 10 years. I expect you it do. to be three years. Um, okay. and, and part of that is <clears throat> COVID has sped this journey up. I mean, the reality of, of, of COVID is people want touchless uh, solutions. And, and I, I think I would have told you it was five to seven years had we had this call a year ago or, or before COVID. But what we've seen, and I've had many, many, many uh, retailers that we work with come to us and say, well, we got to do two years of innovation in two months. That's the reality of what's happened with COVID. And we have seen a pickup in business that's Incredible. I mean, we'll grow by 800% this year. That's yeah. an unbelievable number to even say. And, and the reality of that is COVID has, has sped that up. And so I think 
you know, we, we talk about this journey and what, what the uh, expectation is. You're talking about a three-year window for every retailer. And frankly, you think about, I mean, just bookstores and I mean, like in on college campuses, things that you would expect that, you know, wouldn't go frictionless. They're going frictionless. Think construction sites, all kinds of stuff. Right. everything that you can possibly imagine. Think about hospital storerooms, you name it. Um, yeah. That's where we're going. And it's just that expectation you need it and you need accountability. And um, this, the, I say need it, meaning need product immediately, that instant gratification. And you also are, are you're able to uh, allow a level of, of uh, accountability and transparency. And this is where the world's going. It's, it's just the reality of it. So I would say much sooner. And as I said before, before I expect a three-year window to have mass scale all over uh, the world, not just the United States. Wow. So normative by 2024. I love it. Okay. Trey, what do you think? Are you as bold as Kevin there in that prediction or where's your head at? Yeah. I'm making a bet with Kevin for three years because of some of the large name brands that'll be moving forward in the next three months. It's going to force the other retailers if they're going to want to remain in business to have to adopt this technology. So we always know that there's about 10% of retailers that innovate, but in this instance, that innovation will drive others to transform very quickly. So I agree with Kevin on a three-year period where many of our major retailers that we shop at today will have some form of autonomous shopping like we're describing today. Okay, I am glad I asked. I'm now asking this question every time I ever conclude a webinar. That was fa- that's fantastic. Wow, for those that say the end, that's some good stuff. Azita, what do you think here? Final word. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. I think the market leaders are going to adopt without a question in the next three years at mass scale. And a lot of them are already doing that. And those that are sitting around waiting to see what's going to happen with others are going to be obsolete because by the time, you know, these solutions are getting implemented right now. In three years, it will be full scale in practically all of the stores. And those that are just gonna start uh, three years from now are just not gonna be around. Uh, so it's do or die. Mm-hmm. And it takes time to figure this out. And you're right, yeah, once they know how to do it, they're gonna scale it. Like once they figure out how to make it happen, it's gonna come. All right, well, that was fantastic, you guys. Let's open up to uh, uh, let's open up the panel for uh, Q and A now as well. So I've got some questions already. I'm going to sort through those here in a second. But if you have any other questions you want to ask the panel, now is the time. Uh, let's start with the the first question that we typically get uh, in this space. Uh, you know, the one thing that always comes up is around uh, privacy. So with all this data and everything coming, Kevin, probably you're probably the best one to take that one. How do you think about the issue of privacy? <laughs> this advancement of retail? Yeah, I mean, it's something that is a a big concern. And you think about uh, what is mandatory in many locations is is technically face blurring. So we're not actually recording your face um, in any environment. Um, And that's typically the way that we're operating with all of our customers. Um, And it's, you you have to be in a situation that the the global kind of gold standard is GDPR over out of Europe. And, you know, to to execute and implement, um, you know, these solutions, you have to be GDPR compliant. And so um, we make that a a standard and is kind of our baseline um, to ensure that anywhere we go, we would be GDPR compliant. And part of that is face blurring, um, as an example. So um, you know, I think it's, it's something that there is concern and people do worry. 
<clears throat> about it. There's nothing nefarious around what we're trying to do. It's, it's solely how do we create a better journey and curate your experience for an individual and at the same time create those efficiencies. And um, again, if you abide by GDPR, which um, you know, as I know, everyone has to, um, you're going to be uh, you're, you're going to be able to de deploy and not have a situation where customers are concerned from a data privacy perspective. Right. Zita, Trey, anything to add there? No, I think we captured it all. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Kevin is saying best practices definitely face blurry. Yeah, get in front of it now, right? I think is the thing. Right. And you know, again, consumers probably want this experience, and it's just being transparent and figuring out how the best way or what the best way it is to give it to them, right? Um, all right. Uh, keep at, again. If you guys have questions, please ask them now. Um, Kevin, looks like you've got some big fans here on uh, on some of the Q and so you're going to want to check that out later. Um, let's see. Question here. Yeah, this might again. This might be uh, actually. This is probably going to be applicable to all you guys in terms of answering. So um, we'll decide who wants to take it here. Um, question is, or the concern is that GPUs alone cannot provide a frictionless checkout experience. That at some point you need weight sensors in the shelves. True or false? What are your thoughts on that, Kevin? I see you shaking your head. Why don't you? Yeah, I would say true. Um, you say true. You know, yeah, okay. yeah. I, I think um, the the challenge that you're faced with. Uh, simply using only computer vision is you, you potentially would have items that get slipped up or missed or what have you. And um, so we use a, a, a sensor fusion uh, solution set. So we do have what we call smart scales uh, that retrofit into uh, existing gondolas or fixtures, as well as coolers, freezers, produce bins, just about every, well, not just about everywhere. Um, we have weight sensing uh, in these stores, especially when you get into stores that are very complex. Um, there are stores that you know have a, a layer or level of complexity that uh, without weight sensing would be difficult. So we do utilize uh, weight sensing, uh, and we we utilize um, uh, technically there's six data outputs that we utilize to have uh, the predictive algorithms that allow us to be accurate. Yeah, I feel like that's becoming almost the, like the taste great, less filling debate of this whole conversation. It's interesting to hear what side people come down on that. Um, I tend to, I tend to personally agree with that. What Trey, Azita, do you guys have anything on that point? Are you seeing as retailers are going through some of these pilot implementations, are they, are they learning that firsthand? Is there, are they, are they seeing anything in that realm in terms of how you actually apply this in practice? Yeah, I agree with what Kevin just mentioned, weight sensing, um, overhead cameras, potentially okay. even cameras within the shelves okay. are the three areas that people are really looking to leverage to help them be as accurate as possible. Got it. Zita, anything you'd say here? Uh, same. I mean, that's, it's absolutely, you need cameras, you need weight, weight sensing uh, machines and, and so forth. Yeah. It's just not GPUs alone. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. You need um, AWM software. So it's, it's a combined solution. I think that's an important thing to think about though. I mean, you got three people here saying, saying that, and there's a lot of different things in the marketplace. So as you're starting this experimentation, that's a really important thing to think about here as we're covering it here right at the end. All right. Well, last question. I'll just kind of, we'll leave you guys, leave everyone with this. I think the question that I would ask to each of you would be maybe Azita, we'll start with you. If there's one thing you wish everyone knew about this topic, but maybe they don't, what would it be? Um, I just think, uh, it's, as, as Kevin said, uh, the technology is mature. It's, uh, it's really being deployed at scale. And uh, now's not the time to be afraid of AI. AI is going to be 
an incredible enabler of retail. And, and I would say it brings agility to retailers, which is a really important uh, characteristic is, is needing, being able to be agile enough to respond to continuous demands and changes in customer buying behavior. Great, Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, along the same lines, I would say, don't be afraid of change. Um, you know, I know things are sometimes scary, but the reality of this is um, for the retailers uh, that are out there and frankly, you know, most uh, venues that um, incorporate uh, humans, uh, you're going you're gonna to have to move to this. And so I would say to not be afraid of change. Um, it's, this is a natural evolution as I started the uh, panel with right. uh, of humans. So, And Trey, close us out. Yeah, I believe the solution that we are discussing today is very affordable, and most people don't realize that. Mm. They think that the technology is too expensive, too complex, and that they're not able to deploy it unless they're potentially in Amazon. That's not really the case, and we have multiple customers deploying it today. The other piece is right now, and you're focused on so many different activities, you're looking for the easy button. I believe that Dell, NVIDIA, and AWM can provide that to you. Because we've done the testing, we've done the integration, you don't have to basically go out there and try to remake things. Leverage what's already there and get the value. And then the last piece is we highlighted some of the key areas that will drive the ROI. But one thing that most people don't focus on is the new revenue streams that are available mm -hmm. as you capture all that digital interactions that occur. That's probably the red heron that's a part of the solution that may make it more even differentiated than anything we've discussed. If you think about your relationships and partnerships with CPGs, how you can personalize, how you could potentially upsell and have suggestive selling as a part of the solution, the revenues from that alone will definitely pay for the solution. So we just want you to know that there's a lot of upside and we definitely look forward to helping you um, accomplish this in the near future. That's a great nugget. Not just what you know, but maybe what's out there that you don't know. Possibly a great topic for another session too. We did get one question. We won't have time for it, but they, there were some people curious in the audience to know, you know, how do you guys look at AI's future in the $34 billion gifting and retail floral business? So potentially something to, to talk about and cover at a later time as well. In addition to some of those other revenue streams that might be out there if you start looking at AI, computer vision, and autonomous shopping. Well, that wraps us up for today. I want to say a huge thank you to our wonderful panel, Azita, Trey, and Kevin for sharing your, your just your great thoughts and insights. Thanks to everyone too for listening and tuning in and for all the great questions. We will, we've had a few questions about this too. We will be releasing the audio and the video recording of the discussion. So please tell your friends who couldn't make it and or if you would like a copy of it, just make sure you subscribe to Omnitalk at www.omnitalk.blog and we will send copies of those recordings to you next week. With that said, have a great close to the rest of your week. Stay safe and goodbye.